Up next, the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show with Snowden Bishop. After this message. Now that doctors and patients have discovered the many benefits of hemp-derived CBD, Alpine Miracle's Nano Emulsion CBD formula is one of the most bioavailable on the market today. It's 100% THC-free, so you can order it online anywhere in the U.S. Order yours today at alpinemiracle.com. Scientists are just beginning to understand its essential role in maintaining optimal health. Get yours today. Use the code REPORTER and receive 10% off. Don't wait. Get it now at alpinemiracle.com. And now, broadcasting on Star Worldwide Network's It's time for the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show with Snowden Bishop. Listen in as Snowden interviews cannabis industry pioneers, marijuana experts, policymakers, medical practitioners, patients, and other amazing individuals with compelling stories to share. It all happens right now. Here's the Cannabis Reporter, Snowden Bishop. Hi, and welcome back to the Cannabis Reporter radio show. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Snowden Bishop, and as always, delighted to be here. With all that we hear about the economic advantages of cannabis regulation in states that have adopted reform, it amazes me that a pro-business administration hasn't fully embraced the cannabis industry with open arms. Despite being under siege by the anti-marijuana Department of Justice, business is booming. Even though publicly traded cannabis companies are seeing stocks hovering below their IPOs, the general outlook for the industry as a whole is one of incredible optimism. There's good reason for that. According to the cannabis analytics firm New Frontier Data, there are more than 22 million cannabis users in the United States alone. Sales in regulation states have far exceeded expected growth. California alone anticipates sales of more than a billion dollars in its first year of adult use regulation. There is no doubt that this is an exciting time for cannabis investors. We haven't seen such rapid growth in a single industry since the technology boom of the 90s. But what is truly amazing about this industry is the passion driving it. Unlike other boom times, which were driven by the promise of lucrative returns in a legal market, the cannabis industry was born out of social consciousness driven by individuals who were passionate enough about the movement to risk not just their money, but also their social equity, their professional reputations, and personal freedom to speculate in a risky, federally illegal commodity. While the advent of the information technology improved our lives by changing the way we work, communicate, and interact with one another, cannabis is improving lives on an entirely different level. Not only is it transforming the field of medicine, it's providing new hope for healing where pharmaceuticals have failed. Regulation is helping to reverse the opiate problem and providing hope for families of those who were destroyed by prosecution for marijuana offenses. It also promises a brighter future for farming communities that have been oppressed by agricultural giants for far too long. The cannabis industry is one that, if allowed to grow and thrive, could bring untold opportunity to a new generation of entrepreneurs and pave the way toward a healthier, more prosperous and sustainable future. That is the topic of today's show, and I'm very excited to introduce our guests, But first, Dr. Brian Donner has our Medical Marijuana Minute. What do you have for us today, Dr. Donner? Thank you, Snowden. 
I don't usually get political, but I'd be remiss if I didn't address the announcement of an eminent crackdown on states that have legalized marijuana. While medical marijuana laws would likely not be targeted, any federal interference with state laws could have far-reaching implications for patients and medical cannabis in general. It could also have a negative effect on doctors who may have considered integrating medical cannabis into their practice. From a medical perspective, this is troubling for a number of reasons. First, we've made significant progress with efforts to educate doctors on medical cannabis in the endocannabinoid system. Many are beginning to acknowledge the scientific evidence that medical marijuana is a safe and effective treatment option. But the threat of losing their DEA license is often enough to deter any doctor from embracing medical cannabis. And we have already seen this in certain states. Secondly, Existing medical marijuana laws don't go far enough to qualify all of the medical conditions that could potentially be treated with medical cannabis, and they vary greatly from state to state. For example, we have some evidence that medical cannabis could potentially help to prevent suicide and curb anxiety associated with PTSD, and yet only a handful of states listed as a qualifying condition, and veterans could potentially lose their federal VA benefits if they use. Reversing legislation could not only potentially restrict the number of qualifying conditions, it could also create unnecessary barriers to access and make it less affordable to patients. Last but not least, the federal crackdown could also seriously dampen efforts to pass similar laws in states where medical marijuana isn't yet legal. As a Schedule I controlled substance, marijuana is deemed by the federal government to have no known medical use or utility. As a physician who has witnessed positive outcomes of treating patients with medical cannabis, and with the scientific understanding of the endocannabinoid system that we already have, I can say with certainty that this is absolutely false. Not only has science proven that cannabis has legitimate medical use, we now have evidence that has much lower potential for abuse than alcohol and other legal drugs that are commonplace in modern medicine. In my opinion, patients shouldn't have to risk going to jail in order to get their medical relief they need. Doctors shouldn't have to risk to lose their jobs or licenses either. Whether medical marijuana has helped you, or if you believe patients in any state should have access to it, I encourage you to write to your senators and representatives and urge them to consider sensible marijuana law reform. With the majority of Americans in favor of full access to medical marijuana for any condition, eventually federal lawmakers will have to comply with the will of the people. I'm Dr. Brian Donner for the Cannabis Reporter. I'll be back again next week with another Medical Marijuana Minute. Back to you, Snowden. Thank you, Dr. Donner. Let's get started. So I am delighted to introduce our guests. They are embarking on a new adventure in the world of television with a new show called Cannabis, which will be debuting on a new network called 420 TV. First, joining us on the phone is one of the show's producers and creators, John Brewer. He began his career as a camera assistant for the Hallmark Channel, but quickly found his place in content development. He's worked as a producer for over 15 years and has been a member of the DGA for the last decade. John has produced and directed a lot of digital content, including the full 10-episode run of the enormously popular Epic Chef, and then Diesel's web series for Fox, The Ropes, and acclaimed shorts for the hugely successful YouTube channel, Black Box TV, and moving into feature films, John produced the Fox thriller Exeter and the highly anticipated adaptation of the Pulitzer-nominated Dow of Surfing. <laughs> <laughs> With bounty content, uh, John has returned to his short-form 
Roots, where he's produced music videos with hundreds of millions of views and commercials for international brands such as Apple, Apothic, Wines, and Scion. And for more than 10 years, he has been creating original content with his other producer, Ben Casso, who is another creator of Cannabis, and he's joining us by Skype. Ben is a longtime editor and producer with a special knack for marketing. He's also an entrepreneur in the cannabis space. As co-founder of Restock, it's a company that takes the discarded plant material from the cannabis industry and turns it into other products ranging from textiles, papers, and bioplastics. So thanks to both of you for joining us. I'm really glad that you're here. So happy to be here. Thank you for having us. Uh, certainly welcome. And last but not least, I'm happy to introduce Caduce. He is someone you might have heard of. He rose to international stardom as host on MTV's hit show, Total Request Live, which inspired the Associated Press to call him the coolest guy on television. He then turned his passion to digital, where he's been an avid influencer ever since. He was not only one of the first to create premium content for YouTube, but has also hosted some of the net's biggest live streaming events, breaking records alongside major stars. An entrepreneur himself, Caduce has gone from interviewing stars to also developing them for appearances through his media training program, Camera Ready. More importantly, He's a social entrepreneur who, like so many driving the cannabis industry, is passionate about the potential for cannabis to transform lives. So welcome to you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Really happy to be here. So I want to jump right into this show because I was completely intrigued when I saw that you would be doing it, especially with the history that comes from all of you and having experience in the cannabis industry and sort of melding that with the entertainment industry more on a, a mainstream type of platform. I just wanted to hear what the initial inspiration was for actually doing this show and how you became involved with 420 TV. Whoever wants to jump in first. Um, well, I, guess, I guess I'll take that one. Um, from the very beginning, uh, you know, Ben and I have been a uh, long time, very, very dear friends. Um, and we've also been involved in the cannabis industry for a long time. Um, we met, however, in our careers in the film industry, and so um, through our friendship, through our, our careers in the cannabis uh, industry, as well as our careers in the film industry, this has become the, the perfect melting pot for um, our what became a very specialized skill set with our knowledge of what the inner workings of how cannabis is, and also our deep desire to create original content uh, on a high level. Um, this has just been a dream come true for us to be able to create shows that, that encompass two of our greatest passions, um, you know, that for cannabis and that for, uh, that for creating, um, you know, artistic pieces that we can share with the world. Yeah. And I know that, uh, Ben, you're, you're also an entrepreneur in the industry. What's been your experience so far? Um, as an entrepreneur, it's always difficult in this industry. Obviously there's a lot of barriers, uh, Specifically with my company Restock, you know, uh, we we focus on the waste of the industry. So let's say the gold rush is about the flower, and no one's really worrying about the waste currently. So we've had a lot of hurdles um, facing that, but it's also something that we we welcome, knowing sort of where the future lies in this industry. 
See, the wonderful thing about the waste product that comes from the cannabis industry is its potential to replace fossil fuels for making things like plastics and paper and all sorts of things. I mean, some of the products that you've gone into, I noticed, and something that I read about um, the plastics especially, uh, what's the infrastructure like right now for that? I mean, it's it's groundworks is, you know, is as early on as we could have been. I mean, some say that this is a little early in the game, ultimately, to have these kinds of aspirations. But we wanted to get going as soon as possible because we took it from the environmental standpoint. So, you know, we really believe in the cause. And that's sort of what drives us on a day to day basis, ultimately. Yeah, like like so many in this industry, because I mean, and like I said in the opening, it really is driven by this social consciousness. I think, especially given all the barriers and all the risks involved and in getting involved in it. Caduce, tell me a little bit about how you decided to get involved in this show. It was an email from one of the executive producers named Jordan Browning, who I hadn't actually seen in years. And yet my name came up in a conversation because I'm friends with his sister, Samantha, who was in a brainstorm meeting about who should be hosting this show. And my name came up. And so then I got an email. And of course, I was intrigued because I have been seeing over the years more and more of the impact that cannabis has been having and really changing people's lives. And so I was definitely interested about this show. And then having conversations with John and Ben were definitely inspiring. And so it was a big yes for me after all of that, because I've been interested in the world and now being able to swim all up in the world has been such a pleasure and an honor. Yeah, I can imagine. And, you know, the entertainment industry has been sort of notorious for advocating for cannabis. I mean, obviously, there's there's a lot of drug culture that is in, especially in like the rock world of entertainment. And I've worked in that industry before myself. And so coming from that perspective, when you kind of look at the general acceptance of it, I mean, have you found that making a transition into doing this show was really, there really wasn't much of a risk in terms of the reputation or anything else from the stigma of being in the cannabis industry for you as a public figure? Yeah, I think there's an element of risk for everybody involved still, even though there's so many studies coming out now beyond the anecdotal stories that we've heard for years, I think there's still a sense of until it's federally legal, there is that element there still. But at this point, I'm way more interested in standing for what I believe than being safe. And so I was definitely happy to put my hat in the ring because it's a really worthwhile cause. At the end of the day, what you talk about being socially conscious is is really priority for me. So whatever risk... I, I, I took on taking on this show as a public figure. It, it, it's outweighed by the reward of what I see happening. And, and even just having the interviews that I've had with these entrepreneurs and how it encourages them and makes them feel seen and heard and appreciated. Uh, even if only 10 people view our show, I feel like it's already been worthwhile. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, when, when I started doing this, and especially out in the world of radio, which tends to be a little bit less forgiving of the cannabis industry. A lot of people thought I was completely crazy for doing this. And, but it is rewarding, though. And when you see how it's changing people's lives, it really gives you incentive to keep going with it. It's but, huge. I think, I think it's really imperative that people who are like us, that actually have seen the impact of it, have experienced it firsthand, actually take on 
an advocate role and make a point of doing whatever it takes to tip the scales on this thing. Otherwise, we might stay in a stagnant state for a while. No, and I'd love to add that it's such a rare opportunity to be part of something that is coming out of illegality that, you know, being a part of what is going to shape culture uh, and cannabis culture and ultimately just general culture um, is, is an exciting place to be. And to be a part of that is, is a, you know, a cool section of time that we're a part of. Totally. And, and actually, uh, to piggyback on the notion of like the rock and roll world and how that use is something that I was definitely seeing. Well, it's kind of a rock and roll thing to get involved at this point. Like we're, we're all pioneering what it means to do this. I think Chuck Berry probably felt the same way when he picked up the guitar instead of doing what he did. But look what's happened with rock and roll now, right? Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, and with every great movement, there was always a lot of public resistance. You know, I think that there was resistance in the Industrial Revolution as well, because people were finding that there was a whole new way of doing things. A lot of people were out of work because machines were taking over. And, you know, the same thing goes with the the tech industry, like I mentioned as well. There was a lot of resistance back then because people were accustomed to doing things a certain way. And I mean, and and a lot of industries found competition where they hadn't had competition before. And I think in the cannabis industry, especially, there's going to be a lot of competition. So with the entrepreneurs that you're approaching for this show, are these these uh, subjects going to be more along the publicly traded companies or are they the smaller businesses? How are you approaching the topic? We've looked at a lot of the entrepreneurs. We've gone uh, basically a cross-section of the entire industry. We've tried to get um, somebody that represents each different subcategory within um, the world of cannabis. And now that's that's a difficult task with only a 10-episode run thus far because there's so many different companies doing new and amazing things. But what we wanted to focus on specifically was people that are, you know, that are poised to be the, the next round of cannabis billionaires. As everybody is coming out of this uh, illegal, um, going to gray, and now hopefully to a fully legal and legislated marketplace, uh, we want to address, um, you know, the people that have basically set up in this time when it's, it's still a little bit shifty on where their footing is, but are taking major steps to be prepared for full legalization and to grow into massive companies. Um, this is, you know, and I think that's what that's what the neatest opportunity about it is, is we're getting we're setting up a look at uh, a cross section of every different you know genre here within the cannabis industry that that will grow over the next, you know, 10, 20 years to be the Coca-Cola of, uh, of marijuana, if that's if that's, you know, where we see the future going. Yeah, well, I, I definitely see the opportunity for it. Uh, Especially when you start considering that there's a certain growth in the pharmaceutical industry that I think can happen as well as in the environmental sciences too, which is going to be a huge help, I think, in terms of people trying to lower their carbon emissions. And when you consider what can be produced on an agricultural level for biofuels and and all of the replacements for plastics and things that are a lot more biodegradable and a lot more environmentally friendly to produce. I think that that's going to be a really important thing moving forward. Do you agree with that? 
Most definitely. Um, and I, you know, again, to speak to the, you know, the variety of different companies, we have everything from, uh, you know, companies that are, that are taking a, again, like, you know, w- one of them being featured is, is restock because they are taking, you know, these, these new recyclable materials and they're really focused on innovation, uh, on that end. Um, we have another company, um, that's, that has been done, uh, major work to go all organic on all of their nutrients and has created nutrient lines that support uh, a healthier ecosystem. Um, you know, all the way to, you know, a, a startup company that, that focuses on building up future cannabis entrepreneurs and gives people, you know, funding in order to move their goals forward. So it's a really diverse group of companies that are that are poised to be absolute beasts in this industry as it develops. Yeah. Have you guys seen the show The Profit, which is Marcus yes, Lemonis? Yeah. Recently, he's done two episodes dealing with cannabis, which was surprising when I saw that he did the first one. Yeah, I saw the first one. I have not seen the second. Yeah, the second one just aired about three or four weeks ago, something like that. In fact, we're hoping to get him on the show at some point in the near future because what I think is so promising about seeing someone like him go and cover cannabis is that it's taking it to a mainstream show that is not all about cannabis And I think that it really is paving the way for people to become more interested. And from a marketing standpoint, Ben, this might be a really good thing as more and more of these mainstream shows start covering the topic. It might be a really good thing to capitalize on that interest, you might say, for a show like yours. That was the idea when we created these is we wanted to... We wanted something that was most, you know, focusing on the business show and the business aspect so that any anybody that was able to watch the show, whether you're interested in cannabis or not, is still going to find a, a really interesting story about somebody who has built from the ground up um, in, a, in a new business. Um, so being interested in finance or business at all is going to be just as much of an attraction to seeing what each specific company is doing in the cannabis space. Right. It's very exciting time to be in this, I would imagine. So aside from Restock, what are some of the other companies that you will be profiling? Are you able to disclose those yet? Absolutely, yeah. We are looking at a couple companies. So like one of the companies that has transformed the rosin space, which is a new form of concentrate. So the company that has uh, created an industrial kind of machine to actual press the rosin, uh, we're looking at a company called Vital Earth, which is uh, what John sort of suggested uh, is a company that is pushing organic nutrient lines and fertilizers uh, versus the synthetic alternatives. Um, Gateway is the incubator company based out of San Francisco that offers uh, $50,000 in exchange of 5% of the company to uh, help these companies reach their funding. And uh, RSR labs, we were even looking at the people testing in RSR labs based out of Nevada. It's an interesting one for us. So, yeah, it's been really varied. We're we're really getting every angle of entrepreneurship in the business right now. Amazing episode that we shot was uh, Fruits Labs, which is a company that's, you know, focused on making a vegan, uh, edible, uh, fruit-infused cannabis product. Really cool. Like, basically, the fruit roll-up of uh, the cannabis industry um, and just, you know, great product, great people, tons of passion. Um, Major and- spike in success for them. It was really great to hear about how they've been now picked up by Ease, which is a big distributor in the space. 
Uh, Med MedMen is another one who's picked them up. So really big spike in success for that company. And so a lot of different great entrepreneurs and their stories are so interesting. Mm -hmm. We've been delving into that, finding out how they made it into the space and how they became successful. So I think it, from a couple perspectives, it's interesting for, for, for me as someone who's new, relatively new to the cannabis space, but an entrepreneur. I just love hearing how entrepreneurs make it period, but then making it in a new emerging industry like this, it just, it just layers on an element of intrigue that's been really novel. It's really yeah, cool. Yeah, well, and not to mention overcoming all of the barriers that are inherent in this industry. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, the people that we meet actually are always uh, surprisingly resourceful in one way or another that you wouldn't expect because there's always some sort of unique situation that they had to be confronted to mm -hmm. that they had to also find a unique solution to to get to where they are. And it's really amazing because every story is different and it goes back to often finding out that these people were entrepreneurs at, you know, in the different industries. Yeah, in different industries and, and from very young age had a passion, not necessarily for cannabis, but for creating things and to, you know, to see that yeah. uh, sort of translate into the cannabis industry is definitely an added challenge, of course, because of the regulations. Totally. It kind of feels like as we're talking to them, everyone is collectively doing a tightrope act. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good analogy. Great analogy. Well, and it's so amazing that everybody comes from such a different walk of life and nobody, no, not one of the entrepreneurs we've interviewed had the same, same beginning or the same roots or even the same focus on what's important to them in cannabis. It's all, it's amazing how many different angles get you to this path. Right. Yeah. Some people started in fashion. Some people owned an uh, old scrap metal yard. One of them was a racer, a NASCAR racer. You know, mm -hmm. so it's just like you couldn't expect that. You mm -hmm. know, what are you doing going from racing to the cannabis industry and becoming a lab analytics uh, guru? You know, yeah, yeah. Can't, can't plan that out. And then Iz, who we interviewed in Oregon, is a, is an OG, as I like to call him, the original gangster in this business. Yes, my and, brethren. Yeah, you know, he, he, that was it. It was the Rastafarian <laughs> culture that was access point for, for all of what he did and vital. So it's been really great. It, everybody's so interesting and diverse and and inspiring ultimately because of the path that they're, they're they're walking right now. So it's really, really been powerful actually. Yeah. How often have you come across people who, who were at one point advocating and actually uh, in the illicit side of the business who have overcome whatever it was that they needed to overcome in order to become legitimate? <laughs> well, there's been more than one. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. um, we, we don't really want to focus too much on the fact that, people are coming out of the illicit market as much as, you know, showing that these people are part of a legal market. Um, and it's a fine line to walk because obviously a lot of these people were in the industry beforehand, but not all of them. Um, so we try not to skirt it, but we also don't want to make it the main focus because obviously it's not necessarily great for, our, for the industry as a, as a whole to look at it from saying, oh, these people were once illegal, now legal. Though that is, you know, very much part of the story of some people like Israel Aramio, who had been doing cannabis, you know, from a young age as a Rasta and moved to Oregon the minute that it became legal and had, you know, changed his life to be able to do it legally. Mm -hmm. um, so there are stories that are that have that main focus, but not for it's not truth to everyone. Some people again only came to the market 
once it felt safe for them to actually um, work within that industry without having, you know, the sense that their family and their assets will be seized by the government. Mm-hmm. Yeah, although that still might be happening, but I digress. <laughs> I think that the underlying theme of people being entrepreneurs and the fact that they're able to, able to, they were, these were all clearly very capable people that could have picked any industry. So, um, you know, whether they come from illegal or whether they decided to get into it once it passed legal, the story of the, the, the challenges they had to overcome to get to where they are now with their current businesses, um, we found is the, is really the driving force behind, behind all of this, you know? Um, so, Again, like want to move the industry in a positive direction um, so that we can see, you know, more and more of these companies begin and thrive. Yeah. Have you been attending a lot of the industry events? Well, I certainly have with Restock and I'm very familiar with all the cups and, you know, all the conferences that exist. Um, Is there something specific that you feel? You know, what I find really encouraging is that so many of them are really moving away from, like, with the exception of, obviously, there are some that are targeting those audiences that are more interested in the culture of marijuana as opposed to the business side of it. But what I find really astonishing is that a lot of people are showing up in business suits and really changing the way that people perceive the industry in that regard. Has that been your experience as well? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it it is definitely the cannabis 2.0 2.0 scenario where you feel like the the archetypical stoner culture, if you will, is sort of, you know, disappearing for that more corporate, you know, Wall Street investor feel. And uh, it is a clash because, I mean, the cannabis culture, you know, uh, didn't necessarily ever, you know, have that uh, implications or what we're almost had a it was a negative implication to be a dude in a suit, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas now it's, it's a, the marriage between the culture and the investment uh, is, is a really interesting to, thing to see yep. and to how it will evolve is anybody's guess, really. Well, it feels like the gentrification. Oh, yeah, that's a good point, right? <laughs> yeah, that's a good word to describe it. Which, you know, some people have mixed feelings about, but I think ultimately if it means that more people get to have access to great cannabis, then so be it. Let's rock. Absolutely, yeah. Well, yeah, and, and from, a, from a policy standpoint, it really had to go through a certain amount of gentrification to get a little bit more enthusiasm in Congress. I mean, you know, we're starting to see some legislation emerge, although we have yet to see anything come out of committee and actually get a floor vote. But it's, it's nice to see that there is a lot more warming up to policy change happening right now, except for the current administration and their stance on it. But, you know, with, with any luck, and especially with shows like what you're doing, it, it seems to me that the administration is eventually going to have to just acknowledge the positive aspects of, of embracing the cannabis industry as a whole. Oh, I saying you can definitely see positive change. Um, I myself have been a been a grower for many years. I grew up in Northern California, and there is um, I was having a conversation with one of the other companies today, uh, or just the other day that we uh, interviewed, and they were talking about um, their invoicing process, and I, it hit me like a lightning bolt 
out of all the years that I've I've been involved in the cannabis industry and all this, nobody's ever brought that level. So you can you can see it becoming more of a business, and you, you you're like you're now having people talking about invoicing as where you know ten years ago that'd be the craziest thing. You want me to write something on paper? That's that's an insane thing. You know, uh, and now now you're actually seeing them take shape and see corporate structures forming, uh, and it's just it's just such a positive positive growth. You can see like the future of this when this can all be legitimized and everybody can just do the work and the thing that they're passionate about, make money and not have you know worries from the federal government and be able to be helping people and all the powers and wonder that we've seen that this plant is able to bring to the table. Yeah. Sorry to jump in there, John. I, I thought uh, you might be done, but uh, there was an audio glitch. No, no, yeah, I think that's why I think that's why what we're doing with 420 TV and cannabis is so important because as things are evolving on that level, invoicing happening amongst many other different iterations, I think it's so imperative that a spotlight be put on it. And I think that media has always played such a pivotal role in moving society forward and the narrative of different things that are occurring needs to to evolve with everyone's experience on the grounds and i think we have a, an opportunity now with this show to really legitimize what's happening and and throw that spotlight on something that's been in the shadows for way too long yeah how uh, will this be a weekly show there will be uh all the episodes at the same time available on february 22nd so the way 420 TV is rolling out is like any other OTT. It'll be accessible um, content at any time. Once it's out there, it is out there. So they, people we, will be able to binge watch basically our show. We, we highly encourage binge watching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's the beauty of releasing it all at once. So how many episodes do you have now? We have 10 there episodes. There will be a 10-episode run for this first season. Wow, that's quite an accomplishment. When did you start? Well, initially these uh, initially these concepts were pitched uh, last March, uh, and then through some development time, um, you know, we spent getting everything ready, and then we actually started physical production um, at the uh, end of September this last year. Wow, so you've you've come a long way in a short period of time. That's fantastic. Thanks. Yeah, we, we feel like it's been a rocket ship and uh, we're riding a pretty sweet wave into premiering February 22nd. Can't wait for it because it's really something that uh, it feels very authentic. You know, these guys are, are the perfect producers for the show because they actually work in the world of cannabis and, and happen to be great storytellers and filmmakers. So it was such a pleasure and an honor to be a host of this because I always felt so well supported and for any given blind spot that I have about the cannabis world, these guys were really quick to fill it in. So, yeah, it was a really special run. I'd like to add to that, though, that could you, you were also the perfect host for this. Absolutely. Your interest and your curiosity was just the right level because you, you knew cannabis. You, you knew what weed was. But you also didn't know necessarily the intricacies of what it takes to become an entrepreneur in this space. Mm. And therefore your eye and your outlook, when you meet these people, it's just the right tone. And it was, you know, it was just the right kind of magic that happened for this uh, series. I yeah. really think uh, it was I couldn't great, agree more. great stuff. I love you guys. <laughs> you know, we're, we're turning this interview into an acknowledgement process. It's and a, maybe it, there'll be well, a cake but, but, brought in at some point for one of us. <laughs> A mutual admiration society. 
Ben's totally right, though. The, the balance that this brought in, uh, the, the uh, willingness to learn as we went, and like the overall you know, arc of growth of all of us from, from us learning more about Caduceus' side and how like, you know, dedicated he is to his world and just being so well-spoken on everything. Um, it's brought a level to this that like with our, with Ben and I's closeness to the industry, like we never could have looked at it with such fresh eyes. So the magic of, of the different perspectives melding here is, is shaping this to be a really wonderful and engaging show. You know what? I really look forward to seeing it, but I think that part of that really is the the social consciousness that you all seem to bring to this. You know, it's the passion behind it that I think will probably translate really well from the sounds of it. Well, yeah, I think that there's something to be said about journalism that is not just about the story and the reporting. It's really a cause-driven thing. I think the, the three of us really have that in common that we are so passionate about people first. And so, although of course we want the majority of the population to watch the show, I think our bottom line is that we really stay true to what's happening in these different companies and the, the way that they're, they're doing their thing. And, and so it's, it's journalism with, with a really clear purpose of moving the needle on the understanding collectively of what cannabis is. Right. And, and, you know, exposing the, the emotional, raw human struggle that has been, you know, these entrepreneurs' individual pathway to a very, you know, rocky road to success often. Mm-hmm. There is no easy pathway in the cannabis industry is what you often hear. I wonder what it was like at the turn of Prohibition back in the day when alcohol started going through that transition and whether somebody had documented that and what we could garner in terms of wisdom and insights from that. And that's, I think, what we're stepping into is, is, is documenting this turn. It's really exciting. It's, it's actually been one of my favorite shows to host in my entire 20-year career because of the, the implications uh, on, a, on a whole other scale. I mean, cannabis is really a game changer. On so many levels. <laughs> it yeah. really, truly is amazing. So with all of the people that you've interviewed um, and all the different businesses that you've profiled on the show, what do, you think is, um, what do you think is needed by all of them most in order to really move this industry forward? I mean, aside from the obvious legislation for federal reform. Well, but- <laughs> that was it. I mean, yeah. It, it, clear as day to me that the concern that all these all these companies have is what is the federal government going to do because we don't know and at the end of the day it is a daily fear for a lot of these owners and operators and i don't know if there's anything else that's a main thing that is common to all of them i mean obviously there's banking issues there's other things but they're all trite in comparison to the fact that you're entering a business where there is a very uncertain, uh, you know, immediate repercussion on your day-to-day life, possibly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what I'm seeing is that from an entrepreneurial standpoint, each of them are aware, the ones that we profiled, of breaking any stigmas around the, the industry as it's been known, right? Like this, this notion of like Pookie on the corner being the one to give you a dime bag, you know what I mean? Really busting that up. And making a point of saying, here is a professional presentation. You're going to get the top of the line branding, marketing, and operations from top to bottom. So uh, I think from that standpoint, they're already there. These entrepreneurs are, are dialed in. They're really effective. 
and, and and really creating great products. So I think really the only thing to change is the legislation at this point. Yeah, well, and, and I think that the stigma um, along with it is really what is going to ultimately drive that change in Washington, or at least one would hope. Um, yeah. so I'm <laughs> praying on it every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and well, and overcoming the fear that I think is had by uh, campaign contributors on that level that should cannabis become legalized, you know, what's going to happen to their industry? Private prisons might come to mind or alcohol industry or pharmaceuticals, but stigma first. Yeah. I don't know. This is, this is all very exciting. Go ahead. It is exciting. You know, when I think about it from like a really wide angle lens with any given progress in civilization, it's required a disruption. You know, it's like taking something that has been the case traditionally, it's a comfort zone for us collectively to be in the medical system the way we know and going with, you know, the doctor who has gotten this degree, but like we're seeing a really revolutionary quality of transformation in people taking cannabis as an alternative. And it's, it's a disruption. It's, it's totally a, uh, a curveball in what's been the case, but it's time because we're, we're clearly seeing the issue with opioids now, I think, at, at critical mass. And so it's time that we really run with the alternative and honor it as such as something that's actually effective. Yeah. Wow. Well, I have to say congratulations to all of you for this. I'm, I'm very excited to see the show. What's next in the next season in terms of where you're going with the show? Will you be doing uh, more profiles in a similar way? Or did you decide after doing these first 10 that there will be a different direction for the next season? Uh, I think we're going to continue, uh, you know, in the, the path of, of every second season. And we're going to do uh, bigger, more amazing, more foreign, more travel, as, as large as we can go. Great. Well, I'm very excited. And again, congratulations for this. It really is an exciting time for all of you, I'm sure. And we'll definitely put information about the launch of the show, uh, along with information on 420 TV on our website. So is there, are there any last thoughts, anything you'd like people to take away? Well, I want to acknowledge you because you've been a pioneer in media for this before we were. Thank you. In a sense, we're standing on your shoulders. So I really want to acknowledge and celebrate your work. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, it's been a journey and I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world, you know, just, yeah. Yeah, and and when I first learned about it, I was completely astonished that, well, my entire life I thought, you know, cannabis was evil. <laughs> and it was it was so enlightening when I first started learning about it. And I started writing about this in 2010 wow. when, uh, you know, really there were very few states that had regulated any cannabis whatsoever. But I just thought it was criminal when I learned about it. So, and like you well, guys, it's all passion-driven. <laughs> I actually, that brings me, I have to ask you this question. Um, I'd love to know what was the tipping point for you? What was that moment where you said, okay, I'm going to do this since there was so much weight, especially in your career in radio that you decided to say, no, this is worth it. This is worth pursuing. Was it, what was it? I'm so curious. It was how I, I'm very big into the environment and um, I, I've studied climate change. I was an environmental journalist. And for me, it was learning about hemp being a Schedule One drug 
that really did it for me. And uh, I could go into that for hours, and I would love to, but we should definitely carry on this conversation because, you know, that's that it's worth an hour over over cocktails talking about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and you know, that's it's something I feel very similarly with restock anyhow because of of that perspective. And you know, something that people don't really talk about is that the cannabis industry is very wasteful and is not uh, used to the traditional recycling methods that we might have had in other industries. Right. So much of what used to be evidence is now proof of something. So it's changing and it's taking a while for a lot of the uh, people who, especially in the cultivation world, uh, are, you know, very wasteful again and, you know, use a lot of consumption, whether it be lights, whether it be uh, plastics. So there's there's a big curve for the industry to become a little bit greener, actually. Yeah, I I agree. Oh, I wish we could carry on forever on this. I've enjoyed this so much, but we're getting a a signal that it is time to wrap it up for the day. So once again, I would personally like to thank my guests, Kudos, John Brewer and Ben Casso for sharing their insights and knowledge with us today. If you'd like to learn more about the work they're doing at 420 TV or more information on the show Cannabis or to find links to their work, please visit us online at thecannabisreporter.com and click podcast to find today's episode. I will post their bios along with information and links. We have a lot of others to thank first. I'd like to express our gratitude for our radio sponsors, Alpine Miracle, Health Terra, and Compassionate Certification Centers. We certainly couldn't be doing this without you. I'd also like to thank Dr. Brian Donner for our Medical Marijuana Minute update, Eric Goodall for our theme song, Evergreen, and our producer, Ed, engineer, Craig, and the team here at Star Worldwide Networks for making us shine. And last but not least, thanks to all of you for listening. I'm your host, Snowden Bishop, inviting you to join me again next week, same time, same place, for another episode of the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show. Until we meet again, be safe, stay informed, share what you've learned, and make it a great day. Now that doctors and patients have discovered the many benefits of hemp-derived CBD, Alpine Miracle's Nano Emulsion CBD formula is one of the most bioavailable on the market today. It's 100% THC-free, so you can order it online anywhere in the U.S. Order yours today at alpinemiracle.com. Scientists are just beginning to understand its essential role in maintaining optimal health. Get yours today. Use the code REPORTER and receive 10% off. Don't wait. Get it now at alpinemiracle.com. You're busy running around from work to kids to evening events. Healthcare shouldn't be adding to your daily running around. Simplify your healthcare with Helterra for only $15 per month per individual or $18 per month per family with up to nine kids. By the way, you can eliminate doctor office visits with 24/7 access to doctors via phone, video, or the mobile app. Not only do you get prescriptions filled over the phone, but save up to 85% on those prescriptions. This is a supplemental plan and not insurance. Healthcare made easy. Helterra.com.